books only have usefulness if the author's ready, if the author feels like this is something I can't stop talking about or want to stop talking about. Yo, 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 what up? Welcome to the Mindful and Ruthless Podcast, where you will learn the mindset, strategies, and the tactics in order to develop a full-stack life. Hey everybody, what's up? My name is Sagi. I'm a designer and entrepreneur and the host of this show. My guest today is an entrepreneur, TEDx speaker, podcaster, writer, and coach. He works together with other entrepreneurs and helps them overcome their fears, gain a clear vision for what they want to write a book about, and then he pushes them to get started. From there, he takes them step-by-step through publishing their own book and getting it out there into the world. So besides being a thought-provoking conversation about life, creativity, and how we can open our minds more, this conversation became an actual practical guide that will help you get your book idea figured out and actually all the information you need on how to start. So I know I personally myself am going to try this at home. So ladies and gents, it's my pleasure to present to you Azul Terones. Let's get my form roots best. What's up, everyone, and welcome to a new episode of the Mindful and Ruthless show. And um, today we're live with Azul, who's actually, uh, <laughs> he, he's also um, someone that I, I dearly appreciate and who's done so much. And I, I'm just like, I'm inspired, Azul, by everything that, that you have going on for yourself. You'll tell us a bit about that in a second. But Azul is basically a coach that helps other entrepreneurs basically get their idea out for their book and then carry out the the basic basically the process of creating the book writing getting it out there published everything like that he has a whole team and um, a whole coaching system along with the team to get the book out so um azul terones and uh coach azul as, as you know in the online world welcome to the show man thank you thanks for having me Sagi. i'm glad to be here yeah, I'm very glad to have you. So um, for anybody who doesn't know you, um, how about you start with a bit of intro and, and you know how you got to where you are? Yeah, so I help people write and publish books so they can amplify their message, grow their brand and build their business. So one of the ways that I do that is help them find their big message, their idea. And that's really important because most people have lots of books they could write, but it's about the one they should write now. Yeah. So how did I get into this? Well, I spent 24 years as an educator, teacher, principal, university instructor, and I really admired a bunch of great people online, some of our mutual friends and mentors like Pat Flynn. Um, and I, I wanted to figure out how can I leave the classroom and do something online because I was inspired by these people but didn't really understand what I can do. Yeah. So I went to Pat Flynn's one-day business breakthrough. Actually, he was doing it with Chris Ducker in San Diego, and I signed up for it. He only had 20 spots. He only posted on Facebook once and they sold out instantly. And I got one of the spots, which was awesome. Nice. This was in 2014. The thing about that is, is that uh, I didn't read the details. I'm not a detail oriented person. Sometimes. And it, they wanted to know your website, your business, your, your numbers, your offering, you know, all these things, which I didn't have. I didn't even have a business online. I didn't even, I thought that's kind of why I was going. I was just so excited to go. <laughs> and so, um, yeah, I, I didn't know what I was doing. And so I took that action and realized I didn't really have something to talk about. They put you on a hot seat and they coach you through like what you could do to make your business better. 
And so, and you didn't have a business, like no, <laughs> no not even a, not even kind of, not even a side hustle, not even yeah. like many people right here have at least have a side hustle. <laughs> I didn't even have that. So, so teacher uh, lands and then marketing, like online marketing workshop, and <laughs> yeah, I had no idea. So I got there, and well, thirty days before, I said I need to bring something. I can't just show up with nothing. How can you get critique on nothing? So I had already started this process of writing a book. So I wrote the book in the thirty days before, and when I got there, I pitched why I was there why I was hoping to leap out of teaching and felt like I was meant to do some really cool things, but I didn't know what. And I wrote this book in 30 days about the art of apprenticeship, how to basically find a kick-ass mentor, hack your way into any new industry and make a living doing what you love. I wrote a book about what I was hoping to do. And yeah, so in that event of those early people, three people became my clients because they came up to me and said, Hey, I'd love to hear about how you wrote your book and see if you can help me. I was like, Oh, so that's where the business came from. I didn't really try to start it. I just realized that there was a need. And yeah. one of those people, a few months later, became Pat Flynn. And that's how I got started in working in the creative sort of side of things as an entrepreneur, helping <laughs> Pat Flynn write Will Apply. No way. Well, yeah. I didn't know that that's how you got kind of like started. That's pretty amazing. Mm -hmm. That's really awesome. And, and now you have like a lot of clients. I know you're, uh, you're having like also a coaching program, also one-on-ones, also like a, 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 do you have a course, like just a course yeah. as well and stuff? Yeah. So you have basically a whole online business going on. You're helping people get their books out. That's amazing. So I guess a lot of us are also, you know, wondering like, when and how we can get our book out but before that i want to mention also like it, did you have a ted tedx talk how many yeah. views does it have already maybe about 830 or forty thousand. almost almost a million views yeah. and 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 when did you say it's going to probably reach the mail next month i'm sure next month so basically next month you're going to have a tedx talk that reached over a million views um, which is pretty rare, pretty like it's not every TED talk gets there, like right? It's right. So, most most TEDx have a few thousand views at most. That's that's amazing. So um, yeah, I, I'll also link to your TEDx talk, and your TEDx talk is basically what makes a good teacher great. Um, so it, it comes yeah. from a previous job in a way. Um, yeah. Right. But yeah. Yeah, the, 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 I had the book already and I already had been working as a coach and I had an online business. But the thing that people mess up when they want to do TED Talks, because I do coach TED authors as well, mm -hmm. it's a big dream for people to TED, have a TED uh, speaking opportunity, yeah, is, sure. is they, they try to pitch their business. TED is not a platform for how to pitch your business. It's, yeah. it's a platform for having ideas worth spreading. And so I knew the ideas worth spreading I had weren't in my business. They weren't about books, at least the ones I could find. So that's why I did it about something I cared about, something that was still perplexing me. And that's what I wanted to talk about. So I, I wasn't doing it for the benefit of, no one knows that a TED talk will have this kind of virality. I, I, can't, I can't say that I could promise you I could deliver another one like that. Um, yeah. It wasn't even the best talk I've ever given. It just was the most honest conversation I could have given. So yeah, it was pretty special, pretty amazing. That, that's amazing and you know a lot of us also hear like you know it's just, this is a group for entrepreneurs and this is like a show for entrepreneurs like all of us are thinking like what can we think about if we want to have a public speaking gig what can we think about for the book basically it all comes down to the big idea right so how can we get to that big idea well how can we drive ourselves to get there what do you, right. you know what's interesting what you said there is really i have a, the contrarian belief that that 
big ideas are what people look for and that's the biggest mistake they make because everybody thinks people have big ideas and that's how they got a TED talk or that's how they got a book. It's really the small idea that everyone else walked over and passed by because they didn't think it was that big of a deal or they just didn't notice. Those are what become big deals. Simon Sinek's Ask, Start With Why is something everyone could have said, but only he decided to stop and pick it up and say it. Same thing with a bunch of other great concepts. They weren't big ideas. They were small ideas that people decided to wonder about. So that's the thing I would say. That's true for books. It's true for uh, virality, things worth, worth saying. And you have to be willing to look for things that are ordinary, that, that still perplex us as humans, that still make us wonder. You don't have to be the smartest person. I'm certainly not. And you don't have to be the most experienced. You just have to be a curious person. And that's why most people are looking for big ideas. I'd say stop. Look for the small ideas. Look for simple things, simple clarity moments. Love it. And, and it's like, it's also your talk. I mean, what makes a good teacher great? It's not about like, you know, how uh, neuroscience get pe gets people to, I don't know. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's, it's just, yeah, you know, what makes a good teacher great. And again, it's something that goes back to, basic things that we all think about and care about and um, education. So, yeah. Yeah. And, and solving simple problems, not trying to solve complex problems because complex problems take multitude of people and multiple, multitude of small ideas to solve big problems. Yeah. Usually big problems are solved in teams and groups of people taking action, but small ideas can come from individuals, small nudges in the right direction. And I think that's true if you're creating an app or you're creating um, you know, a software to, to do something big. So here's my example. When I used to work with kids in 2007, when the app store just was really opening up and nobody had smartphones, we had iPods, but we didn't have a smartphone. I gave my students, uh, I wanted them to design an app. I didn't really care as much that they knew how to code. I wanted to know, did you know how to solve a problem that everybody else saw, but you're going to solve differently? And I was amazed. Kids have an incredible ability to do this. Some of the apps they designed blew my mind because there was no app store. They, didn't, they weren't using them, so they weren't familiar with apps at that time. So it wasn't like they had intuition or had solved something. They were solving genuine problems, and we used design thinking from the Stanford D School. And the design thinking process really asks you to be empathetic and curious. Man, the things they thought of were genius. Like one of the girls pitched an idea of how you can basically put all your inventory of clothes to come up with the most... Um, the most possible combinations of outfits you can wear. I thought that was genius. Like you include your accessories, your colors, your codes, and you, it basically would balance out your best options for your clothing so you didn't repeat outfits because she was saying this is a problem for kids because we only have so many clothes. I was like, brilliant. And then another girl, she, the girls were actually really good at this. The boys, they always tried to make a big idea. The girls just solved a simple problem, which was even better. I don't know why that was true, but maybe it was just the nature of that group. The other thing this one girl did, she goes, I'm creating an app. I was like, what's the app called? I know we're all creating apps. She goes, well, it's, it's a virtual yard sale. I said, oh, tell me more. She was like, yeah. So you like take a picture of your stuff, you post it online, and then people can bid on it, and then they come pick it up at your real yard sale. It's to help people who have yard sales do better at their yard sales, which is ingenious because there was nothing like this at this time. So that's what I encourage people to do when they're writing a book or they need a new idea, find simple ideas. And we, we also had this um, talk about, you know, the core of creativity in a way, right? We talked about, like, you said that you just did a, a, an interesting talk with someone today about this. Can you share with us what it was? Yeah, so I've I helped companies understand how they can create more in, innovation in their company with their current people. And because the commodity that's not being outsourced or not being found to be cheaper mm -hmm. um, is 
creativity and creativity comes from, you know, innovation comes from creativity. And so you, you can't outsource that. You can't make it cheaper to do those things. You can't yet um, get AI to do things that are creative. That's a human endeavor still. So the best thing they can do is start to use creativity. So what, what we talked about is that when you start to have creative groups evolve, the problem is most people start to imitate first, which is actually that's not a problem, but it just doesn't come to the source of the, in, the problem. So like even the same time I was teaching kids apps, I was giving them sort of that Google time, that 24, 20% of their week in the classroom, they could do whatever they want. Mm-hmm. Um, and that was, and to educators, that's novel. Well, what, 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 what will they learn? I was like, I don't know. That's the, the novel part about it. Well, companies might try to imitate people like Netflix or Google where they give them 20% time to work on projects they care about. But that's not creativity. That's time. That's different. And that creativity comes from a place of curiosity. If your organization doesn't have curiosity embedded in it and you can see evidence of it, then creativity won't follow. Yeah. Yeah. And I think people need to be thinking more about, hmm, if I want to do something great, what's my curiosity behaviors? Am I constantly looking under rocks? Am I constantly thinking about things? I know my husband helps me a lot because he's naturally curious about all things. So when we stop, he'll look, he'll go up the stairs to check out things I would probably pass by, you know, in a museum or he'll ask questions. Curiosity is a really powerful tool for innovation. I think more people should spend time being curious. Yeah, I love it. I love it. It's like going, getting back to the, to the core, to the simple, to the being curious, not looking for the big idea. Again, it's, it's goes with the same pattern as finding a book idea. Now, I, I got to share something with the, with the people that are listening to this right now. So you and I were back and forth about me writing a book. I wanted to write a book. So, and I gave that up. Um, <laughs> I decided that it's not time. Uh, following some, some talks I had. Also, like, you know, it's my own gut feeling. In a way, I feel I, um, I should wait a bit with my book. How, do, how does someone know when is a good time to write a book and, and to you know, start even thinking about the idea? If we're honest, most people probably think they could write a book or they thought about it. The majority of people have, actually. Yeah. Meaning 81% of the people probably thought, mm, I should write a book. That would be an interesting book. Right. I, I could write a book. <laughs> right. Uh, how do you know if you should? It means that it's, it has two things happening. One, it sort of keeps you up at night. The idea keeps knocking in your head. Hey, 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 I'm here. It doesn't mean it has to be a book, but it's a creative endeavor. Mm-hmm. The, other, the thing you need to know is if you don't have something to say, it has more to do with the fact that you have too much to say rather than you have too little. So I encourage people to know whether or not they have a book to write is to kind of do a brain dump and dump everything in their head out on a piece of paper so they can see, oh, I can write a book about this or that, or maybe this, or maybe that. And then they can actually see why they're thinking they should write a book. And maybe it's like you, you discovered it. it's not time for this book now. Um, doesn't mean it shouldn't be a book or it shouldn't be a, a something. A book is just a platform to stand on. It's not the conversation. It's the conversation starter. So I, I tell people, if you're ready to start this conversation and keep having it, then it's probably time. If you're not sure it's the conversation you want to keep having over and over, then you're probably not ready to write this book. If you, if you think it has legs to keep, keep you interested, then yeah, it's probably time. If it's just something you think would be good, then it's transactional because you might be interested now but might not be interested later. I'd say put it off till later because books only have usefulness if the author's ready. 
if the author feels like this is something I can't stop talking about or want to stop talking about. Yeah. Um, that was true for Pat. I mean, will it fly helping people get their first idea started is something he, he's passionate about. Yeah. Um, he won't stop with that idea. He, he will continue to be passionate about it. No matter what his business does, it will always be about, will this one idea work first? Right. I had, you know, multiple ideas for, for a book. Uh, you know, it's just every time I keep like, I keep saying, okay, wait, wait with it, wait with it, wait until you hit a level of success that you're like, should people wait for success? Do you think? Because in a way, a, a book is like the, the, the new business card, right? But on the other hand, you should wait for some success. Like Pat Flynn launching Will It Fly when he was just beginning might have not been the same for Pat Flynn launching Will It Fly later on. What do you think about that? Well, just remember that Pat Flynn launched his business writing a book. Well, he, he didn't call it a book, but, he, you know, an online PDF, which essentially is a book that started his well, business. Well, that thing, right? Yeah. Oh. It was basically a workbook for everyone to pass the leads exam. It was a book. It was content. Yeah. Um, so there's different levels. You know, you, 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 people will think, well, when I'm famous, I'll write a book. Um, <laughs> Maybe, yeah, maybe you will, maybe you won't. Most books are actually ghostwritten. Very few people these days write their own books because it's a really challenging process. Yeah. Um, and, but what I tell people is everyone has something to write. It's just each book has a different purpose. So some people think that they're going to write this book and they're going to be uber famous and sell millions of copies so they better have a good story to tell and then they'll sell. Nah, the, the best-selling books are the best-marketed books. New York Times best-selling books have often don't have anything to do with how good they are. Huh. They have to do with how they're released, how many, you know, how much marketing behind it. That's, yeah. that's true. But good books can be written at any time of your life, but they'll have to be about the things that you're able to. So you can't write a book about being successful in business if you haven't been. Um, yeah. You might be able to write a book about how you survived high school without, you know, being bullied. That maybe you could write. Then that's <laughs> probably an interesting book. Or how, you, how you're able to raise a family and start a business. Books that you're able to write now, then do those. But books that you think you should write later, then wait for later. I, just, I think it just depends on what you're hoping to do. I think people, everybody I, that, that thinks they're going to write a book and be Tim Ferriss. I mean, to be honest, Tim Ferriss hit everything perfect timing for his book. The economy, the people, the, the market, everything was perfect in that perfect storm. But just like any perfect storm, it's hard to replicate, right? Um, it yeah. wasn't... It wasn't he did a lot of things right, but if the, if it wasn't a book that people resonated with, it wouldn't have worked. So, yeah. And by the way, we're talking about um, the Four Hour Work Week. To anybody who doesn't know, or if you haven't read the Four Hour Work Week, I think it's a it's a must in a way. Uh, just you know, uh, also classic, but also so many great concepts inside that one book. So yeah, yeah, uh, I agree. It's a very good book. Perfect timing was people were ready for that shift. So everything about it worked well. Yeah, so I don't know if that answers your question. I think you can write a book at any time. It's just you have yeah. to do it for the season you're in in your life. Yeah, I guess. And, and going back to the idea, so you said like search for the simple idea and you said brain dump everything that you, that you can, right? Can, can you get maybe a bit more practical on like this brain dump? Um, I know you shared with me before um, a system that you have going on. Like, can, can you tell us a bit about that like for anybody who would like to try and find an idea? Yeah, and this works for any idea. I use it for my coaching clients who are doing creative work with their companies or with their, there's, there's a creating something like for a talk or an app pitch. The idea is what's in your head is usually what keeps you from 
creating because your head, if you imagine that your creative process is like a funnel that pours into a bottle. So you have your bottle, which is the thing you want to write. In this case, maybe it's a book. The bottle is the book. And you figure, well, I'll pour all my ideas through this funnel and it'll go into the book and then that'll be great. The problem is people usually have way too many ideas to fit into one book. And so they stuff it full and it's unclear, it's not coherent, it's overwhelming, it doesn't have good messaging. So the brain dump is an activity that practically looks like this. I say, get a piece of paper, get away from the computer. Some people are so computer oriented that they, they think they don't know how to operate without them. Kindergartners are really good at this. You give them a crayon and paper and they know exactly what to do somehow. It's intuitive. Um, so the intuitive part is get a piece of paper. In the middle, put your idea. Maybe you say book or app or TED Talk, whatever's in the middle. And around it, you put just like bubbles around everything that could go into the idea. Well, it could be idea about this and this and this. And the reason they call it a brain dump, it wants to look and feel like you vomited on the page all your ideas. Until you're, uh, I have nothing left to say. Until you're so empty, you're like, I have no more ideas. I have no more ideas. I'm done. Yeah. I say do that, but do it with a time limit. Give yourself 35 minutes, 40 minutes. It doesn't even matter, but don't do more than an hour. There's no need. Your brain can do a lot of work in a short period of time. So just right. set a timer and go. Go fast and furious. Yeah. Don't think, just let your brain empty. And once you're done, you'll look at it and go, gosh, no wonder I was confused. There's 40 ideas here I could write about or 40 ideas I could do for now. So that brain dump is meant to free that funnel. Remember that funnel I described where you're yeah. pouring your book? Once you dump the funnel out of all the ideas and put one idea, it flows right into the bottle. But you try to pour all those ideas with all those imagined marbles that you dumped out of your head in there with the idea, it just overflows and it doesn't work. So people's brains need to be emptied. Their subconscious is pushing against their conscious ideas and the conscious ideas fall out first, but the subconscious ones are still there and we just don't think about it. We just think that, well, that's, I don't really know what that's about, but I'll ignore it. But the subconscious doesn't know it's supposed to be ignored. It's used to doing what it wants. So if you empty it on the page, it'll jump out on the page because it's not a conscious activity. You're not making a list. You're just watching your brain do its thing process. Um, so that's what the basic premise of a brain dump or vomiting on a page looks like. <laughs> no, I think that's awesome. And, and, you know, coming to realization that when you do a brain dump like this, then you have the extra benefit of your subconscious kicking in. Um, without you noticing it, you're just documenting your brain in a way on paper, and then you just let your brain do its thing, and then just feel natural with it, have it, everything dumped, and then when you when you look at it afterwards, you're like, oh, okay, now I can make some conscious decisions about what's here on the paper. So now that we're on the second stage, how do we find the right idea out of all of these ideas? I tell people this: I go look at that list and. Start where you have the most energy, the most excitement. If you look at these ideas and these several ideas don't interest you anymore, even after you just put them, they're probably not ideas that can interest you three or six months from now. Yeah. If you look at this one, you're like, this idea really still matters to me. This one I care about a lot. Circle those, get those written down, put them on post-it notes, each idea separate. You know, these five ideas out of these 50 matter to me. And then you can kind of organize. Well, what, what of these five ideas actually do I care about the most? And that one you care the most about, you have the most energy towards, is probably the right one. You, you can't, the people make the mistake if they're going to write something that's meaningful for them, they try to pick the thing that's most marketable first. And that, that's the biggest mistake because if you could predict marketability, then you'd have a golden ticket to print money. And that's just not possible. Um, there are mavens who have a better success rate at this, but for the most part, you don't know what's going to connect with other people. So I don't encourage people to try to pick what sells. 
pick what you care about because that'll be easier to write, easier to create, easy to focus on because you care about it. Something that might, you know, I could write a book about how to start a dog walking business and make six figures could be interesting, but if I don't care about it, I'm really going to, I'm not going to want to talk about it on podcasts or promote it or posts. You know, people do make money creating books for people who they find out the market and they write books just to make money. I think there's plenty of room for that if that's what you want, but maybe just yeah. understand that that's a different way of creating ideas or for market value than the idea you care about the most. I think that it, it makes total sense. Um, I'm thinking now, you know, if I'm doing this kind of brain dump and I have a lot of ideas, I would probably get like three main ideas that I really, really want to write about. How do you get the, the one, you know, like I, I bet I will get to just like a few that I'm really, really excited about. But I know this one can hold, you know, the book in a great way. Do you just take that, you just choose one and then mention the other two in it in a way or like? No, no, I don't. You just no. pick one. <laughs> just pick one. You, do it. you just have to pick one. You're like, well, how do I know which one's right? You don't. There's no right. Yeah. There's no right answer. There's only the answer you choose, which is the yeah. right one. There's no right. right. So that's the biggest limitation. People think that I have to get the right one which is the best one, which is a good one. Those are all fallacies. The one you care about right now is the best one. And then you do that same exercise. You put that book idea in the middle and do a brain dump about that idea. See how much you have to talk about that idea. If you, if if you brain dump and only six things pop out, maybe that's not the book you care about as much as you thought. But if you do that same brain dump and you have another 50 ideas about that one topic, you're like, this is a pretty good topic. Yeah. And if you're still not certain, you can do that with the other three and just look at the one where you have way more to say about care more about and that'll tell you this is the idea that's more important because you have so much to say about this yeah i got it so then the next thing i wanted to ask you about is it was like okay so we got our idea we started um we, we got the ideation done now we need to put it like how, how do we start the writing process itself yeah and and when do we start preparing for also marketing is that only at the end or throughout yeah. Well, for the writing process, start about that first. You know what I like to do for people is remember that one idea you said, this is the one and you put it in the center of your page. Mm-hmm. I tell people like do a visual map. What I mean by that is take, imagine you're in kindergarten again. And the reason I say kindergarten, it's the most powerful time. And the reason it was the most powerful time is before school kind of corrupted your brain. Yeah. It's, it's before we were told, think like this. Uh, but with colors, markers, whatever, draw what you think you have in your head about this book. You know what? If you think, Brendan, you have this book about how you lost 200 pounds, what, what about that do you want to talk about? Do you want to talk about what you were like before? Do you want to talk about what you were like growing up? Do you want to talk about what it took to get there? Do you want to talk? Just draw out. like Draw an image. I don't care if it's stick figures or symbols. The reason we say drawing is that one symbol of you at, in, as a child when you were in middle school might have been the catalyst. And rather than explain it, just write a picture. You'll remember what it's about. But this is that subconscious mind. You want to encourage your creative brain to do this work, not your left brain. Left brain, right brain. So left brain is that very analytical brain. Some of you who are designers, coders, engineers, you know that left brain. You like organizing structures. You like all this very concrete things so you can tick off the list. That's a left brain. That's an activity we're trained to do. Super important. It's really important in writing a book it's really difficult in getting that left brain to find creative moments. So you got to trick it a little bit. You take the trick, the left brain by doing drawing and illustration and colors to kind of represent bigger stories because stories move people. Stories respond well to people. We were built to tell stories for, for hundreds of thousands of years in caves. We've communicated via stories. Words 
on a page are just pretty new, right? Yeah. Even books the last 500 years. So you want to communicate to the human core. So you want to find what is the story behind this moment. So a little image of a stick figure of you when you're in middle school, you have a lot you could probably say about that. So we just want to capture it quickly. So we want to use raw, primitive ways of capturing ideas. Then we'll map it out. So you map out in a big visual picture. What is this book about? And visually, you can see it. This book's about my journey. I can tell this is a book about my heartache. This is, you can see it, and you can see it visually. That visual map will be your cue to create sections of the book. You'll be writing about these important milestones in, in the book's life, right? So that's what I, whether even if you're writing a book about coding, you'll, you'll have to tell a story. A how-to book we don't buy. We don't buy books, textbooks. I, unless you were forced to, I doubt you go to the store and go, you know, I'm going to buy a textbook today about how to do long you know, division. You, you just don't. So you're not, you, you, you want to look for the opportunity to connect yourself to this content. So that's the next thing. First, figure out what is the big picture. Secondly, once you figure that out, you can create smaller, smaller brain dumps on each of these topics. So let's go back to that Brandon's idea. If maybe middle school is a moment where he had an epiphany, you take that middle moment, you put that in the middle of the page and get everything else, a new page, right? You say, what about that moment was important? And you do thought bubbles about each of those things. Those things are become topics you're going to write about. Right? It might be a chapter, it might be a section, it might be multiple chapters. We don't know. Yeah. I don't encourage people to outline first because that's the left brain kicking in. The left brain will kick in when it knows it's not supposed to do its job. That creative brain is still working, finding the story, finding the messages, finding that, that, that connection. And then once you do all these pieces where you unpack it, you can then organize it with your left brain and say, okay, your turn. Get it organized for me. Okay, this chapter and this section and this chapter, and then you organize it and you write against that that model so that's my process that's how i get people to kind of find the truth and it's a lot simpler than than doing it the way i used to teach in school which was really painful everyone hated going to writing class because like oh god i gotta write something you know there were a few people just like there's a few people in math class love math there's a few <laughs> people in english that love english but the most of us found it very painful and my job is to make it fun easy and simple so your idea shines so that would be the next step Awesome. All right. So you got basically all the ideas of the book mapped out. Then you tell the, told the left brain, all right, process it for me, create it in bullets. And then you basically got the table of contents for your book. Basically. Right. And then you write the book. So when you write a book, you, do you need to, do, are you a believer in like, you know, limiting time, like, you know, 30 days or, or stuff like that? Or do you say, okay, just like start developing a habit of writing every day or something like that? At both, both those things. Well, the reason I tell people to write, is, write it as quickly as possible is for two reasons. One, you change and grow as a human being. The more influence you have in the world, hopefully you don't shut off the world. This is why writers do shut themselves off from the world, is outside influence changes your beliefs, your views, your values, your, your ideas. Your book will keep morphing because you keep morphing. So the sooner you can produce it, you won't just grow into your new idea. No. You're supposed to grow. You're human. Your book isn't, though. Your book has to be one moment in time. Um, the other thing is most people think they're writing when they're not, which means they think writing is sitting in front of the computer and typing some words. I only count writing as if the number of words that come out. So how many words did you write? Well, I don't know. Then you didn't write. Well, I, I did write. Well, how many words did you write? Well, I don't know. If you have to count each word. So if you, write, if you wrote a thousand words a day, in about 45 days, you'd finish with a full-length book. Done. And the truth is most people can write at about – <clears throat> maybe 28 words in a, you know, or let, let's imagine you can write 500 words in half hour. Let's just say that. Okay. And you, you feel with a half hour a day, 
or an hour a day, you could finish a book very quickly. You don't need all day. Most people spend their time researching. They call it writing. I'm researching. Or they're thinking. I'm writing. No, you're not. You're thinking. Well, I have to think before I write. It goes, says who? Who told you that? If you want to think, think on the page so I can see what you're thinking. Because maybe you're thinking about a grocery list. That has nothing to do about writing. Maybe you're thinking about if this book will be any good. That's not about writing. So if you have those thoughts, then write them down. But writing only counts if it's words on a page. So basically, I'm flipping the script. Say, we think books take a long time because we just believe it. Because we put off writing the paper until the night before, right? Yeah. <laughs> In college, I'll do it. To, oh, it's the last night. I'll write it right before you do an all-nighter. Yeah. It's just the way we were taught that writing's hard and painful. And we wrote it in an hour anyway. So why didn't we write it the hour the first day we got it? I have no idea. We were trained to hate it. So um, just untraining the brain to realize you can write faster than you think. And you should. Because your best work might take longer. But more than likely, your best work should just come out of you first. Yeah. That's my opinion about writing. Yeah, I think it's, it's pretty powerful as well. Like just to also just do it. You know, it's like anything. You have to do it. So, yeah. All right, just wanted to take a short break here. Um, if you listen to this episode all the way here, it means you probably find value in it, right? So, well, I wanted to just let you know that this is a weekly show and it's published first on the Mindful and Ruthless Facebook group as it's recorded live. Yes, this is a Facebook live interview and it basically allows you to interact with the speakers and myself and ask questions as we're recording the podcast and we are trying to answer all of those questions so if you haven't already be sure to search and join the mindful and ruthless group on facebook i promise you you'll find amazing value in joining this community as long as basically joining a community with a lot of other amazing entrepreneurs so all right back to the episode it is a habit that's the other thing you mentioned chris gillabeau from uh World Domination Summit. He's the one when I met with him in 2013 before I started my book. He goes, oh, if you just write 500 words a day, you'll have a book by the next time I saw you, see you. And I, I, the next time I took a picture with him, I reminded him in that conversation, say, I wrote my book. Thank you. Can we take another picture? And he laughed at me because I had my iPhone 2 or whatever. He's like, You're, that's your phone? I'm like, hey, this is the phone where I took the other picture. I just want to take the picture of me and you with the same phone. <laughs> so, but yeah, the, he's the one that said, like, just, it's a habit of words. That's, that's what writers, they write. That's it. All right. So you recommend for people to always like, do you recommend people to get this habit in place any, anyhow? Like, I know it's like, it's a great habit to have in a way. Yeah. If you're a content creator, it's a great habit. Like I know I can bust out two or three articles in a day or one a day, depending on my word count. So I don't yeah. even try to like, I got to write a word article for Forbes. Well, just write it. I sit down and I just go 40 minutes. I'm going to be done with it. It might be ugly and messy. That's what it, my editing brain will do, fix it. But my, my creative brain can easily create an article, even on a topic I don't know a ton about, yeah. and then improve it over time. Got it. And, and so, like, I know in every – there's a thing in every book that you have to – when you're writing, you do have to, in a way, do research, right? I mean, you do have to – if you can't – like, for me, and maybe it's the totally wrong process. If I write something, even an article sometimes, then I'm like, I get to a point where I'm claiming a mark. Like, I believe this is so. And then – and like, wait, I can't just say I believe this is so. I need to prove it. So I go and research for me. I just open a new tab right away and start researching for some papers on the, on the topic and the researches. Is that wrong? And how can I do it better? I think people mistakenly have syndrome, imposter syndrome around writing. So they think, well, I'm not the expert in this. So I need someone else to say that, they, that, that this was true. 
So they look for a quote, like, okay, that's fine. If you think you want to quote Seth Godin, which I did multiple times in my book, good, fine. But don't stop writing for it. Just put Seth Godin's quote, look for it later. Like, just keep going. Okay. Um, you know, you don't, oh, I need to research the number of it's times, you know. Oh, yeah, okay, if you need research there, then say, research more about this. You don't even have to do it yourself. You can hire somebody Upwork for about, you know, or fancy hands to do all this looking up for you. It's an excuse. 99% of the time it's an excuse. It's an imposter feeling like, oh, I'm not good enough to know if I have the answer to this. You know what makes you the, the expert? You deciding I'm writing this. That makes you the expert. If you don't know anything about it, it's going to show up. Like if you're trying to write about, you know, how to repair Porsche you know, vehicles and you don't know anything about cars, yeah, that's <laughs> probably not going to work for you. But yeah. Most people write about things they care about, they're passionate about, they're knowledgeable about. And uh, unless you're writing a, an academic paper or a paper around some topic of expertise, yeah. more than likely you're the expert for the people who are following you. Like yeah. I wasn't writing a book to say everyone should do it like this. I'm just saying this is how I'm going to do it. This is how I recommend you do it. That's all you're doing. Your expert is providing a path for the person who said, oh, you're learning to do that? I want to do that too. Good, follow me. I've been there. Okay. I don't need you to be the expert on a trail to know all the plants and know every single you know, thing about it. I just know, did you bend down this trail? Yep. Okay, cool. I'll follow you. Yeah. They don't need to know that, oh, yeah, well, I studied all these herbs and this plant and this, this speck of dust. They, don't, they just want to get to the end of the trail. They're not interested. That's not where they're learning. If you were teaching people how to, to lead a trail, that would be a different expertise. But getting down the trail is what you're writing about? You're good. <laughs> Got it. All right. Sounds good. Yeah, it, it makes sense. And also the placeholder thing is like something I um, also advising people when they write articles to put placeholders for images. Um, so it makes sense to also put placeholders for whatever, just keep the creative process of writing going. And yeah. Uh, yes, that makes sense. Great. That's, people get lost on the same trail. Like, Oh, I need to look. And then they look at somebody else's side and they think, Oh, I should do it like this now. And then they think, you know, they change everything. And I think that's a, that's a dangerous place to be because it's not right. trusting your own knowledge. Yeah. 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 So you need to keep that one document in front of you and just, <laughs> just yeah. it. Yeah. Awesome. So, Let's say we uh, did it. We wrote a book. Um, yeah. So I finished writing the book. When does the marketing planning start? Does it start even way before? Does it start now? Does, like, how do you plan to market it? Yeah, I definitely say start even before you're finished. Um, I'm not the, the, the marketing expert, but I, I think people, people need time to know that you're going to share a book. So let's say, let's imagine you have 500 friends on Facebook. Yay, awesome for you. And you want to start sharing that, that you're going to write a book because you have friends. Well, some of the things you can do that are really simple is let people know you're doing it. Some people will get really afraid. Well, I'll tell them when I'm done. Oh, that two things signal that you don't plan to finish. That's number one. If you aren't going to tell people till you're done, you're not going to finish. And number two, um, you don't let them join you in a journey. I mean, I fell in love with this, with the star Wars trailers. I couldn't wait to see the movies, right? That's why they do trailers. They want to know it's coming. Um, so you can do simple things like just share the title, share your process, share what you're learning, one quote from what you're learning. Start sharing with the people that you can influence what your book's about. So you can't ever be too late. You can also, as you're designing, you can design the cover early and start sharing images so people know it's coming. So start the marketing when you're doing it. Um, start the ideas early yeah. because it helps people know that they should pay attention when they see it. They'll, they'll, even if they don't, or they don't consciously, when they see it, they're like, oh yeah, I've heard of that. Of course you've heard of it. I've been teasing it for seven months or three months or three weeks. So that's one. And also don't be 
afraid to ask for people if they're interested in helping you. You're looking for, I call them superheroes. Look for superheroes. These are people who are willing to help you do anything. They're the people that help you move. Like, if, hey, I need help with moving. They go, I'll help. You need those kind of friends to help you when you're launching the book. So ask early. Say, is there anybody who would help? I'd love to start a group around my book. So I want people who I could have early readers, give me feedback about covers. Is there anybody here? Great. That's one way. Collect emails and say, look, I want an email list of people who think they might want to be willing to read my book or leave a review. I will. Okay, great. So you're already making momentum. You don't need marketing in a huge way. First, you just need marketing steps along the way. There's definitely high advanced strategies that people like Tim Graw, who helped people like Daniel Pink launch his book and big, big book platforms. There's definitely things you can do to get the, the best effort. Most people go on podcasts because podcasts help um, get audiences. And the higher percentage of people who listen to podcasts actually purchase books. So going on podcasts has a huge return in value. That's another thing you can do is plant that seed. But you have to be willing to share early. Yeah. And by the way, just like one to mention, I just heard uh, somebody talk about the importance of having an audiobook as well um, on Audible for podcast listeners, because podcast listeners are with their earplugs and they just buy the book right away and listen to it. So yeah, remember if you're planning on that, that's important as well. Also, um, one thing that I heard from another person is like, take chapters of your book and share them as articles on Medium and stuff like that, just because you can one validate by that, that um, those chapters and then you get people again to like you said at the end, hey everybody I'm writing a book, this is a chapter, how about you sign up for the email list and when I launch, right? Yeah, yeah don't, there's tons of ideas to get people to engage, there's no one right idea. Yeah. Um, for some people the idea of doing that is frightening, good then don't do that, do something else, but don't do something. Make right. people know that you're available. Releasing chapters, even topics, even video, live video, live feeds, videos about for, for 90 seconds about your topic is better than doing nothing. You can say, hey, I'm writing about the topic. Today I was writing on a chapter about X. Or I was wondering what you guys think about X. Yeah, just anything you can to start getting noticed about what you're writing about. Yeah, awesome. All right, cool. So I, I, I'm getting to, we're getting towards the end um, here and one thing, by the way, about the writing process that you told me back then is like, which is really kind of like struck a nerve, is like, ah, we are usually trained in schools to be editors and not writers, right? You told me that. Can you elaborate on that and kind of like? Yeah, for sure. Think about it. So we turned in papers, not with the we We wanted to turn in papers so that we had the fewest red marks possible, right? We were like, let me see. I don't want to have to do this over. I don't want a bad grade. So we cared more about making it look good grammatically and everything so that we get a better grade than we cared about whether or not, is this a message we're saying? Do I care about this? Do I believe in this? Is this something I want to talk about? Um, we're trained to edit out things that could potentially be marked down, ideas that may not resonate. So we're trained to edit, even in our emails. Just think about how you write an email, right? You write, you edit, you write, you edit, you write. Yeah. Right, because you only want to do it once. You don't want to have to rewrite. I don't know how many people write an email in a document and then edit it and then check it and then go repost and paste it. Most of us try to write this, an email that's simple, short, without the very many mistakes because we're trained. That's, that's how we're trained, right? We're trained yeah. in this sort of way. Yeah. So I think, I think that's the challenge because people don't find creativity in their thinking. They don't find out who they really are on the page because they, they don't want to make mistakes. Right. So that's, that's my belief and that's what schools have done because I was a teacher. I did that to people. Not, you know, not, 
hopefully less and less as I learned and discovered this, but I realized more, more kids hated writing because they hated getting a paperback with all marks that they had a fix now instead of being inspired to change it because they cared. That's a different reason to change something. Yeah, totally. All right. So is there anything that should stay in the book and shouldn't be shared on interviews, marketing, stuff like that, like stuff that you should leave, no one leave in the book? Yeah. You know, most people think that, well, if I share this, then they won't read the book. No, hopefully when you share it, they'll want to know more. Um, share the best stuff. Share the, share the things um, that really strike you. Brennan, I already want to know more about Brennan because he shared, I want to write a book about how I lost 200 pounds. I'm like, what? I Tell me more. Like, this is amazing. Like, Brennan, you should write that book for sure. If you want help, let me know. Um, this, this, you, you don't want to leave out the good. It's not, you're not a spoiler. If you're writing a fiction novel and you don't want to give away the, the, the red hair and you don't want to give away, you know, the mystery, if you're writing a mystery novel, but if you're sharing about a uh, content about you, nonfiction, yeah, sure. Share the best stuff. That's how people get intrigued. Yeah. Um, books aren't filled with how to, they're filled with the why and what, and the how to is what they learn later. They want to know more, right? That's we join Tim Ferriss's group because we want to know, well, what else can I do? What else can I learn? You know, that's how we get connected to authors because now we want to know more because this is just the tip of the iceberg. You know, the story that Brendan might write is about where he was, how he started to change, and, and the small habits he did to make this transformation. He can't write an entire book that's interesting about the, the exact steps someone else should take. That's what they'll learn more when they go to his blog or his, his interview or his program or whatever. So the idea is don't be afraid to give away your best stuff. And I'll validate this idea. The TED talk that I gave was the book idea I was working on. I had worked with a proposal coach on a proposal. Uh, a New York Times bestselling author had introduced me to his agent. And I was, I was basically testing the book. The TED talk was the test of the book. Would this idea be worth spreading? Uh, why spend all this time writing a book if I can't tell if someone's going to care? A million people think it's probably worth writing. Good. This is a good test. I gave away the best stuff in the TED talk because I wanted them to know that this is something worth listening to. Um, so don't be afraid to give away everything. Yeah. Awesome. So, and when you said like that, I'm like, I wonder how it comes along with all the people that are saying like, I haven't, I haven't read Simon Sinek's book, Start With Why, just because a lot of people just wrote in the comments in the, in the, in Amazon, I saw people writing and stuff like, you can just watch the TED talk. It's all good. Like, you know, the whole book is like just basically saying the same. So I, I think you should. I don't know if it's, it's right or not. I just didn't buy the book because of that. Should I buy the book, by the way? Have you read it? <laughs> yeah, I've read it. It depends. Each, some people don't like to read into the depth of things. They just tell me what it's about. That's, the, that, that's how people are. They, yeah. they don't want to do the work. They don't want to discover something new. Like just listen to the TED Talk. And sometimes people who are, who are pitching this to their advanced team, you know, Simon Sinek can walk into an organization and say, I'll charge you 100 grand to give him a talk for a day, and he'll get paid. Why? Because he has the book that says he's the authority to talk about, ask about why. They don't say, oh, well, that's in your TED Talk. Never mind, we'll just show your TED Talk. <laughs> yeah. They don't do that. Yeah, I don't get asked to speak, you know, get paid a lot of money to go speak because my TED Talk, they could just play it for free in their thing. Yeah. So uh, people that say that are more, it's more about what helps and provides value for them. It okay. doesn't mean it provides value for everybody. I get it. Okay, cool. Um, all right, so um, I, we're out of time. We have to go. Um, but I know, I know you have... Uh, Colson. So we talked about, just to recap, we talked about the idea and the ideation process. We talked about writing and about putting the habit in place, what needs to get done. We talked about sharing while writing, getting audience, and then you have audience to launch to. And so 
I think this is a great place to stop here and kind of uh, ask you two final things. One is where can people learn more about, you know, the process of writing? Like what, what content can you recommend from your own things? And also maybe some books and storytelling and stuff like that that people, people should read. Yeah. You know, I, there's so many great books on writing. I consume so many, sometimes too many. Sometimes I avoided working by reading books on writing. The best entrepreneurs read a lot of books. So. Yeah. I just can't, I get lost. If you want to know how to do it really simply, I love book in a box, simple book. It's a really great book for nonfiction. I also, I love bird by bird. That's books about the concept of writing, about writing an ugly, messy draft. Basically some people get so worried that they have to write well. And the truth is the best writing is rewriting. So write messy first draft essentially. Stephen King's book about writing, um, about there how he started. No way. Oh yeah, yeah. It's called. The, he writes about his whole writing journey. He was a school teacher. It's fascinating. Um, wow. <laughs> so there's those are some books that I like that have really inspired awesome. me to do some writing. Yeah. Awesome. And and where can we um, where can we find you and and uh, learn more about your process? Yeah, most people find me on my my personal site coachazul.com. Okay. Um, and also, you know, I also lead a podcast called Born to Write and a Facebook group to match. So people can always go there. We have a free challenge in, uh, at coachazul.com as well as Born to Write. And they can join it. If they think they have an idea for a book and they want to know if they have it, they can do this free challenge just to get started writing. Because if you get started, I think people can really see the value. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think it's an, a great idea. And I'll link to everything you just said in the show notes. Um, so everybody, um, I hope you enjoyed this conversation. I really have. Um, and, you know, I, we already had a couple conversations. But again, like talking to you each time is like getting me more things cleared in my head. I, I can't wait to start working on my book and working with you on that. I know I will. So Azul, thank you so much for coming on the show. I really, really appreciate you for that. Thank you for your time. Yeah. And, of and, course, um, my pleasure. Yeah, so I'll, I'll link to everything, as we just said, his website, the podcast, um, the free challenge to get started. Everybody, be sure to check that out, and um, it will be in the show notes. So uh, everybody have a great day night wherever you are in the world. I'll see you on the next time. And that's a wrap. I hope you enjoyed this episode. And if you did, I would love if you could help me out and please rate this on iTunes. This is a new podcast, so reviews on iTunes go a long way and also ensure that more people will just get to enjoy it. You only have to do this once and not every episode and it has a tremendous impact. Also, if you haven't yet, I would love to invite you to join the Mindful and Ruthless group on Facebook where I host this show live and also share so much more with the members of the community. This will be a chance for me to get to know you better and I love connecting with my audience. Alright, so until next time, remember to be mindful and ruthless. Ruthless with your gut feeling. Ruthless with your journey. Don't let anybody take you off your path, my friend. Keep on and I'll see you on the next episode. Peace! What's in your head is usually what keeps you from creating. And I think you can write a book at any time. It's just you have to do it for a season you're in and you're like... Pick what you care about because that will be easier to write, easier to create, easier to focus on because you care about it.